4. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord here quickly, but John chapter 4. I do want to say that we had an awesome time with Brother David Bernard, our general superintendent, at this meeting this week for fall planning session. And I thank the Lord for his great leadership. He's, he's pretty amazing. Um, he was talking about the apostolic doctrine and stuff. It's going to be on Truth Radio. They're going to get up there as soon as they send them the, the uh, copies of that. So you'll want to go there and listen. I mean, it's just amazing. He, he connects lots of dots in regards to Reformation and what that means in regards to where we are today. And it's just absolutely amazing. So you want to go there and hear our general superintendent. Uh, I want to say we're blessed at the Palace of Praise. Really, really blessed at the Palace of Praise. I was going around and talking to different ministers, shaking their hands. And uh, I don't know how many of them shook my hand and said, you know what, you're a really blessed pastor. And I said, why that? Because of all the young ministers you got in your church. <laughs> I think they were talking about you, Bishop. Amen. That's right. Anyway. <laughs> But it's all the ministers, and we do have a great group of young ministers at the Palace of Praise, and we are so blessed with them. I think we take it for granted because uh, these pastors are saying that they don't have, uh, they're not blessed with a great group of ministers. So we're really blessed here. And I'm going to tell you what, they preach and teach some awesome things at the Palace of Praise, and I am very thankful for them and the quality of young men we have at the Palace of Praise. Can somebody say amen? I welcome all of our guests today. I'm not going to try to name names because I will miss somebody and then they will think that I don't care, but I'm just telling you, I am so glad you are here today. I had a message ready to go. I, I was back there in my office praying earlier and, and I just recently preached this message and I preached this message here at this church and for some reason... The Lord pounded this message into my mind, and it was not the way I wanted to go, not the direction I planned to go at all, um, but for some reason, the Lord wants me to preach this message this morning, so that's what we're going to do. John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30. John chapter 4, very, very familiar portion of Scripture in regards to the Samaritan woman at the well. I believe most of you have read that portion of scripture. If you're doing your Bible reading, you have, and if you've heard it preached from. Verse 28 says this, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come and see a man which told me All things, all things. These are the words of this lady that is speaking here. It's her testimony. And her testimony is, he told me all things that ever I did. Now, in a moment, I'm going to explain to you why that's hard for us to get our mind around. And then she says this. Is not, it's a question, is not this the Christ? Can you really deny that this is the Almighty God of heaven who told me all things? Now go down to verse number 39 because that's not the only place that she is testifying and making this statement. Verse 39 says this, and many of the Samaritans of that city, let me put it another way, 
There was a revival. There was a revival because many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Why? She testified. What did she say? He told me, come on, what's that word? Shout it nice and loud. Now get your mind around this. All that ever I did. Now if you're familiar with this story, that absolutely makes no sense. All that ever I did. Because if you look at the conversation you had, he didn't tell her all that she ever did. But we're going to talk about this today. And this is the title of my message today, Release. Release. Would you join me? I know we've been praying, but I want the Lord to touch our minds and hearts and help me today. God, we are so thankful, Lord, for your precious word. Thankful, God, for every soul that is in this house today. God, you made us with purpose. You have a plan for our life. God, today I'm asking you, Lord, to release us, God. Release our minds, release our spirit. God, today, Lord, what the enemy cannot do, our own minds are doing. I pray today, God, release us, Lord, everyone in this house. Help me, God, in handling your word. Help me, God, I pray, quicken to my minds the things that I need to say, Lord, to deliver your word today. To give individuals in this house direction that they could be released, Lord, and do, God, your perfect will and be a part of the revival, God, that you desire to send to the church, Lord, in these last days. We ask these things, God, in your wonderful name, in the name of of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't you look at your neighbor before you see it and say, do you want to be released? And then you may be seated. I believe this message is extremely important today for someone is here before the Lord to impress and put it so heavy on my heart today. I know someone in this house needs this today. Now some of you who may have heard me preach this message Back up the road, you may say, I've heard that before. But lots of you, if your memory's like mine, some of you are struggling even to remember what I preached on Wednesday night. <clears throat> but we won't go there today. But let me make this statement. Make sure you get this. The weakness of the church is not in the strength of the enemy. I want you to get your mind around that. The weakness of the church, when there is a weakness in the church, folks, it's not because the enemy is really strong. The ineffectiveness of the church isn't the result of the strength of our enemy. See, the church isn't limited because the enemy is too strong. That's not the problem because the Word of God, John uses this comparative. He says this, Greater is he that is in the church than he that is in the world. What he is saying is the enemy can't hold the church hostage. Come on, church. The enemy cannot hold the church hostage. The enemy can't construct a prison or a dungeon that can hold a true church in bondage. You think about this, the greatest prison that is known to humanity or the greatest thing that can hold us into bondage 
a prison that so many individuals really fear, that's the prison of death. If death could not hold him in bondage. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory or your strength? Hey, death could not hold my God. Come on. If the bars of death could not hold him, then tell me what can hold the church who has the Spirit of God in it. For if the Spirit of him that raised, come on, raised him from dead, dwelleth in us, and we have the same power, God. Come on. I'm going to say it again. You need to get your mind around it. The church inability at times to work or the restrictions of the church is not in the power of the enemy. That's not where it is. Hear me. The devil cannot hold you in bondage. The devil cannot hold you from doing God's perfect will. The devil cannot keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Can I, can I hear somebody shout an amen? See, these vices that the enemy uses, what are they all about? It's to shorten our life and send us to that prison of death. It's what it's all about. But I want us to view today all of this in the context of the story that I just told you a moment again, a moment about, just a moment ago. See, you have to understand that one of the greatest prisons we have is not the devil. It's not the devil. It's not sin. The greatest prison, I'm, tell, I'm talking to somebody, you better hear what the Holy Ghost is saying to you today. The greatest prison you're in right now is your mind. It's your mind. I'm going to say it again. The devil cannot hold you bondage, but you can hold yourself in bondage. The devil cannot keep you from doing what you need to do in the Holy Ghost, but you can keep yourself from doing what God wants you to do. Hey, stick your hands out in front of you. Put your hands out in front of you. Let me tell you something. Your destiny is in your hands. Your destiny is not in the hands of the devil or the enemy. Look at your hands. Your destiny is in your own hands. It's in your own choices. It's in your own decision. The devil cannot stop you. But you can stop yourself. Hear me today, the enemy can resist the church, but the enemy cannot stop the church. Let me bring you a little closer. The enemy can fight against you and resist you, but he cannot stop you. Look at somebody say, the enemy can't stop you. But I want you to look at our message today. John chapter 4 and verse 39, it says this, and we read it, and many of the Samaritans, everybody say many of the Samaritans. Of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me, that, that's crazy. He told me all that ever I did. For just a moment, I want to rehearse the story because Jesus was in Judea and he wants to go Gal to Galilee. And the Bible says he must pass through Samaria. And as he's going through Samaria, it's hot, he's tired. So he goes and sits down at the wall of Je uh, at the well of Jacob. And he's thirsty, folks, because he's tired. And while he's sitting there, a lady comes up to draw water. And so Jesus looks at her and he says to her, hey, give me a drink. Can you get me some water? Because she had the vessel to go down into the well and get him some water and bring him some water back. And 
Jesus traveling didn't have the vessel to be able to access that water, but she had the vessels, and there's a sermon there if you want to go and search that out and preach it there. But this is so interesting. Church, you've got to understand, I don't think things are in the Scripture by accident. They're there because it makes very clear to us what's going on, not only in the physical, but also in the mind of the people that are involved in a situation. There's a lots of stuff that's happening in just this one chapter. And in this verse number 9, he asked her for water. And then she says this unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asked of me, a woman of Samaria, water? Because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Did you see what's going on? Her own thoughts are reaffirming boundaries that are in her mind that says... We can't have this conversation. More or less than anything else, we can't have this conversation. Why? Because of this prejudice that should be between us. We can't have, Jesus is not affirming this prejudice. She's affirming this prejudice. Why? Because of the things of her past. Come on. The things that she's gone through where there was Jews that were mean to her. There was Jews that affirmed to her, we can't talk and we can't have it. So her past now is affecting her very mind and she doesn't even want to have a conversation. Come on church, I'm preaching to somebody today. But I want to make sure everybody in this house hears what I'm saying. In verse number 14 of this thing, he said, whosoever drinketh of this well. I want to let you know today, race and activity. Honey, there is nothing that can separate you from God. Everybody is welcome at the well. Everybody is welcome to come to the wells of salvation. Honey, I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care what your main language is. I don't care where you are born. Today, God is saying, everybody is welcome. There are no barriers between us and God. Come on. You don't need to build a barrier and say, well, God don't like my coloring. God don't like my language. I'm here to tell you, God loves everyone. God is reaching for everyone. Don't let your mind be a barrier to getting to God. Somebody shout amen. But he's talking to her and, and he's trying to get her to give, her, give him some water and and then she says, well, why then are you asked what? He said, well, if you really knew who it was that was asking water of you, you would ask of him water. Wait a minute, you don't even have any vessel. What are you talking about? Come on, you're a crazy Jew or something. Something wrong. You've been sitting in the heat and the sun too long. What do you mean? He says, well, I got water. You're never going to thirst again. I got water that you're going to drink. It's everlasting water. And he tells her that. And verse 15, <laughs> she gets the message. In verse 15, she says this. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. <laughs> and Jesus saith unto her, Now if you are in Bible school, and you are doing soul winning 101. I'm going to tell you right now, this is not the approach they would be teaching you in soul winning 101. Because when you're dealing with people, we don't go after the main thing. 
We kind of skirt the main thing there. Can I get a witness in the house? You see the real issue. We are more diplomatic. We kind of, you know, let me kind of work my way around this thing. But he's omniscient. We're not. He knows what needs to happen, and he knows his time is limited. I only got this one moment with her. So he goes after the issue. So look what he says to her. He says, go, call thy husband, and come hither. It's not just for you, but I want you to bring your family good, too. There's a sermon. But see, he wasn't just randomly saying something. He was going after an issue. Hear me, somebody in the house. Hey, go, go call your husband and bring. She looked at him and said, um, <clears throat> well, you don't understand. I haven't had one. I had five husbands. And you can just see on Jesus' face, oh, really? I was totally shocked. I didn't know. No, that's not what the scripture said. She says, I have five. He says, yep. He knew. He's omniscient. He knew before he asked, he said to bring. He knew what was going on in her. Come on, folks. He knew what was going on in his life before he ever went down that road. And he said to her, go to, I have five. He said, you have well spoken. Everybody say, well spoken. Here's what he said. You are telling the truth. You have well spoken because here's the fact. You only had five husbands. You're living with one right now and you're not married to him. Now, I'm, I'm sure she was probably going, <gasps> you're saying, what does that have to do with any? It has to do with everything. Because it's revealing the, the mindset of this woman. Folks, our minds affect our actions. Our minds affect our reaction. You're saying, oh no. This is the filter through all your actions and your thoughts go. It goes through this filter of the mind. You say, I'm not affected by it. Really? Okay, let's do this. Go home. Get out your little filter on your little coffee maker. Take it and put a small little mint just a little mint in the bottom of that filter. Then take your big old scooper and just scoop in all the coffee you want to and pile it up so you can't even see that mint. Close that lid and push that little button and let it brew. And when it's brewing, guess what? It's going through the filter. When you get done brewing your coffee, take a sip of your coffee and tell me what you're going to taste in your coffee. You're going to taste some mint. i go even further than that. Take a sniff of your coffee. You're going to smell that mint in that coffee. You're going to take, wait a minute. Pastor, it was just a little bitty piece of mint. And look at all the mounds and grounds of all of that coffee was there. But that little piece of mint in the filter affected what was in the vessel affected what was in the vessel because everything goes through the filter. Folks, what's going through our minds is affecting how we act, how we react, and what we do in life. Honey, you can't raise your arm unless your brain tells you to raise your arm. Everything is going through this thing up here. And when this thing has a peppermint in it, everything has peppermint in it. When there's something in this filter... That is in, come on, 
When you start reasoning and stuff, you're justifying things and saying this is all right. But in reality, there's a mint. There's something in your filter that is affecting. And you're sitting there saying, I don't see it. Because when I look at the vessel, it looks like coffee. Well, why don't you take a sniff? You're going to find out, folks, there's something else in your coffee. You're saying, you don't, you're making too much out of it. Really? Okay. He looked at her and he said, now, you've been married five times, and the one you are right now, you're not living with. You're not living with. What's that mean? Folks, she had trust issues. I've done this five times. I'm not go- I am not going to do this again. I am not going to be married to this person again. Why? I've done it five times, been hurt five times, and I am not going to do it a sixth time. She had trust issue. She was not going to trust what? A male in her life. Now, can you, anybody tell me what Jesus was? What was Jesus also? Jewish male. And she said, I've been, come on folks, you've got to hear me. Her past is affecting her decisions right here in her present. Because what was going on in her past and ended up in this filter, and what was going through this filter now was, come on. It was affecting her decisions in life where I'm not going to make that same mistake again. You have to understand, she may have never been at fault because in those days, if you just did something, let's say you didn't make up the bed that morning, all that man had to do is go down and, am I telling the truth, bitch? Go down and give him a letter of divorce and kick you out of the house for no excuse. Throw her out. So she may have never done anything wrong, but he could just discard her. But every one of those discards was doing something to the filter of her mind and affecting the way she was thinking and affecting how she views everybody in life. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about we need a release. We've got to have a release, not because the enemy is so strong, he's holding us in bondage. But the problem is, our minds are holding us in bondage. Some of us, the things we're thinking and our past is holding us in bondage. You're saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Let's look at the context. We like this good, feel-good worship verse. Can you give me, a, the, I think, a 23rd verse there in that chapter? We like this verse. Boy, we kick holes in the wall. We run, swing from the chandeliers. and woo! I mean, we just get all excited. It says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers woo, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. We'll get people kicked up and geared up, ready to go and worship and show on that verse. Then we'll go to the next verse, and it comes right down then. Here's the next verse. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in context. He's talking to this lady. He's talking to this lady that's battling with things in her mind. He's talking with a lady that has had her past now is affecting the very way she's acting today. Why? Because she's a bad lady? No, because the past has formed her in such a vessel that she's viewing herself incorrectly and that view is affecting the way she's living today. That's the reason why. Look at this verse of Scripture. In both verse 23 and 24, we find the word spirit mentioned three times. Go back to verse 23. Look at verse 23. Tell me what that S is in Father in Spirit. What's the S? Small case. That is not a capital S. Look at the little T. What is it? Small case or uppercase? Small case T. Go to the next verse. 
Then we get to the notice verse. What God is a, what's the S? Small case or big case? Big case. Then look at the next one. Shall worship him in spirit. Small case or big case? And look at truth. Small. Folks, context. Look what's going on. The God of heaven is looking at her and he's saying, I need you to worship me in spirit. Here's what you got to do. You got to give me everything you got. And he's dealing with a woman. That little S there is referring to the human spirit. It's got to do with the mind and the way we think and our rationale. And God is saying, if you're going to worship God, the spirit, the almighty God, then you got to worship him with your spirit, your mind, everything. And you got to worship him with truth that's the reason why he said you have well spoken why because he was saying you got the truth down because you didn't hide your situation you were honest with me and you told me what was going on in your life you were telling me the truth but lady something's going on in your spirit that is hindering you why because you wanted a firm you couldn't even talk to me because of the prejudices that's in your own mind and thinking Get me, some things in our past, hear me, can define who we are today. A failure of our past can make us view ourselves as something that we're not. Why? Because of a failure or something somebody did to us. Then when you look in the mirror, you see something that's broken. You see something that's not worth being used by God. And I can never be used by God. And God can never use me because of my past. Come on, I remember a few years ago, I had an individual who told a lie about me. And honey, it hurt me really bad. And I tried to tell people, that's a lie. They're, they're just trying to win favor with their leadership. It's, it's not even true. But who's going to listen to this guy? I was too young. Nobody's going to listen to me. They're going to listen to him. They're going to listen to his lies. And so I was hurt. I tried to tell. Nobody listened to me. And I said, okay, that's fine. You go ahead. If that's what you want me to be, I'll be exactly what you. What's going on? My mind's being affected by what's going on in my life and the rejection and the lies and the backbiting and all the gossip. You wonder why I'm so adamant against lying and adamant against the backbiting and all that trash and speaking negative. I'll tell you why, because it hurt me. Hey, I lost some years with God because of somebody doing that trash. That's the reason why I think it's evil for us to speak bad about somebody. We need to make sure we speak the good about people. Because the reality is it may be a big fat lie you're just going on and spreading to somebody else. And I was hurt and nobody would listen. So I said, fine, I'll be everything you said I was going to be. And I'll be more, more. And I walked away from God. Why? And then my actions and my life and everything was what? It was being affected by that temperament that was in my mind. What? I had trust issues now with that individual. And he was in his position. And I'm not going to name In his position now I had problems trusting him. So now I don't want anything to do with anything he's doing with. What's going on? My mind. What a irrational, illogical. Who's getting hurt? They're going on as if nothing happened. Just going on down the road. Who's hurting me? Why am I hurting? Because this stuff is in my mind. 
and I'm walking down this road of drugs and all the junk and I'm in a crash course to hell folks it's a miracle I'm alive had a man hold a gun six inches from my head all he had a high on the drug all he had to do is put a little pressure on that trigger and he'd have blown my brains out I almost drowned two separate times when I went in the church but for the mercy of God he allowed me to get back to God and be restored to him God is a merciful God. But you hear me today. Honey, even after I got back in the church, that stuff was still in my mind. Because even though you may be filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost doesn't fix every issue that's inside of you. When you get the Holy Ghost, every one of the things you've been battling with in your past, they don't all just go away. It ends up being a process. I've had individuals look at me and say, why am I going through this now? I'll tell you why. Because five years or ten years ago when you got the Holy Ghost, you couldn't have handled. Because look at you now, after you've had the Holy Ghost ten years, you're struggling with it. You couldn't have handled it if God put that on your shoulders at the altar of repentance. But now he knows you're strong enough to deal with it and get it out of your filter, get it out of your mind, and get your mind right on God. So God removes things. It defined who I was. That incident in my life defined who I was. It created issues with trust with people because of what happened in my life. I'm preaching to somebody. I know I'm being very open and putting lots of cards on the table today. But I'm trying to tell you by the Holy Ghost, God has a work for you to do. God wants to get you involved in the kingdom of God. God wants to use you for His glory and for His honor. But you hear me today. You have allowed some little event in your life or some period of time in your life to define who you are. See, that woman looked in the mirror every day and said, I'm a failure because I can't keep this Holy Ghost. Does anybody know what our walk with God is all about? It's all a relationship. What if she had five failed relationships? get into a relationship and that's why he dealt with that issue he was to he was dealing with what was defining her as a person see there's some of you God does great works in your life but you're not still not reaching your full potential you know why because something in your past is still going on in your filter and you may today be speaking in tongues and full of the Holy Ghost but something in your past, every time you're either conscious or unconsciously, start feeling like you need to do something. The enemy loves then to send somebody into your life or somehow to remind you of that failure so that then automatically you stick it back in your filter and all of a sudden you say, I'm disqualified from being what God wants me to be. And the whole time God's looking down saying, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to release you. Not from the bondage of sin because i already done that. And not from the bondage of the enemy. I want to release you from your own mind so that you can worship me in spirit. Folks, you can't worship God unless your mind is into the game. You can't worship God unless your thoughts are the thoughts of God. You need your mind, your soul, your spirit into it. Because the Bible says, I must what? Serve and love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul. With all my 
What is it? Every bit of me. Oh, but pastor, I've had the Holy Ghost 10 years. Yeah, but there's some of you that's got the Holy Ghost, and thank God he's been good to you, and he's brought you to the house of God. But you are destroying yourself. You're destroying your relationship.